Pulp MX Network production. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I wanna say. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Fly Racing, Blends All Racing Motor Oil, Works Connection, Plum Creek Funding, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, and Pro Glow. Welcome to another episode of the Industry Seating Podcast. My name is Jason Thomas. It is uh, actually Monday, March 28th. Just wanted to get a quick one in. Uh, we have an off weekend coming up, uh, but didn't want to leave you guys hanging. And wanted to talk a little bit about Seattle Supercross. I'm actually headed over to MXGP, uh, the upcoming round in Portugal on Wednesday, and just trying to get things wrapped up. But I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast, Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Fast Foundry, Works Connection, Pro Glow Wash, Grant Stone Boots, and Fly Racing. And before I head over there, before we go into this break, just wanted to touch on some of the things we saw in Seattle. I'll be honest, it was a little bit of a boring race in both main events. There just wasn't a ton of action. Um, there were a bunch of battles that I kind of thought were going to set up and, and things that I thought might happen, and they just really... They never materialized, and it doesn't mean that the it was a bad night or a bad event or bad anything. It just things go that way sometimes. They just don't. The battles you think are going to shape up at the front just never kind of come to fruition, and that's what really what we saw in Seattle and the 250 class. That's I mean you know there was a little battle at the front there with uh, you know Christian and Michael Moseman, definitely uh, some drama there. You know, I, I talked a little bit about how I don't think Christian should be leaving the door open like that, right? If you're if you have this championship points lead, the one thing you can't do is allow your biggest competitors a shot at you. You just have to protect against that at all costs. And doesn't mean you can't try to win the race. Doesn't mean you can't be in the mix. But you know, if if you the inside's open, right? If Moseman has a shot at the inside, you've got to be willing to check up. You can't just ride the outside berm into oblivion because that's what those guys are looking for. They are looking for any opportunity to even the score in this series and bring your points lead back to zero. That's what, you know, if, if you could give them any wish, that's it, right? So for Christian Craig, I know he's made comments going into the race about he wants to win. He doesn't know any other way than to be aggressive and try to win the race. Well, guess what, man? That's not how championships are won. You have to be smart. You have to protect a points lead. You have to be willing to give somebody the inside line when they are not going to give you any quarter or any room at any cost because they know that their only chance, especially a guy like Hunter Lawrence, they know their only chance is to get you on the ground, to, you know, maybe you break a clutch lever, maybe your throttle tube breaks, anything that, you know, could really hamper your main event result. That's that's really all that they have left is some sort of desperation move like that. So 
when I saw Christian leave the door open for most men, I just kind of shook my head a little bit because that's like the one thing you can't do is DNF crash, get yourself taken out, do anything stupid like that. That's just what you can't do. A podium is fine. You know, giving up three points to Hunter Lawrence in the main event is not a huge deal. And I give Christian a lot of credit for over, overcoming the adversity of that crash, you know, passing back up to second place. That's all well and good. But when you are out front at the beginning of the race, putting yourself in a negative situation where now you have to overcome anything, to me, is unnecessary. Like, you just should not put yourself in that spot. You, you know, like, if you're fast enough to ride away and win, great. But if you're not, don't put yourself under duress like that. Um, I just, you know, I've watched a lot of championships get won and I've been around a lot of people in those scenarios. And that's rule one is don't hand all those points back under any circumstances. You have bought yourself this cushion by incredible riding. You know, you've not had the huge crash like Hunter did at Anaheim three. You've been able to avoid those things. And even when you got into crashes like first turn crash at San Diego, you were able to ride back to the front and you earned this points lead. Don't do anything that would allow that points lead to be wiped away in one incident. So I kind of skipped over Hunter a little bit, but I mean, he got it done, right? I, I picked him to win this race. I thought this track would be conducive for him. Uh, I didn't think the whoops were going to be as challenging as they were. So I got that a little bit wrong, but in the end, I just thought this was the kind of track where consistent laps, where the track's breaking down, you're dealing with a really ruddy, rough racetrack by the end of the race, that works for Hunter Lawrence. That's what he's good at. And we saw that play out. We saw him get the win and, of course, how happy he was and all that. Now, the way I think things are going to go, he's not going to win the championship. I think Christian will win the championship pretty easily. But for Hunter, he just needs to go win races, right? He needs to continue to cement his future at American Honda and rack up bonus money and rack up wins. That's really all he can do and just stay healthy as we progress towards Lucas Oil Pro Motocross. So good ride from Hunter, a race he really needed to get that done on. And we'll see how he does. You know, we have this, this showdown race in Atlanta coming up and then we have, you know, de still Denver and, uh, and Salt Lake for him to, uh, to put some more points on the board. Uh, I kind of touched on Christian Craig. As far as Moseman goes, it's been this kind of series, right? He just can't get it right. You know, even when he makes a move, he gets aggressive with Christian. You could see he had the pace to go win, but he takes out his own rear brake in the process. And then he has to finish this race without a rear brake. So it's just been that kind of series for Michael Moseman where you're riding incredibly well, the best you've ever ridden, but poor decisions, bad luck, however you want to view that has just gotten the best of Michael Moseman. And I kind of think it's a decision-making process for Moseman as well, whether it's on the bike or off the bike. We, you know, we've all heard the stories about him making very questionable decisions off the bike, but on the bike, I think that carries over, you know, he just doesn't seem like he's always making the most timely decisions and thinking things through in the moment where, more seasoned riders who have been in that more moment more often, maybe they back out and wait for a better moment to do something like that. I don't think this particular Seattle incident was the best example of that because 
a rear brake can get caught on anything. I thought he did the right thing by being aggressive there where he, he should know that Christian is likely to check up. Like Christian is protecting a points lead. Moseman is going for four race wins. So if you are the aggressor, if you're Moseman, go for it, which he did. It just didn't really seem to work out. It's just been other times where I've seen him kind of force things when you didn't really need to. And, and he's DNF'd and crashed a lot over the years where it's cost him, you know, not just this year, go back several years of his career. And he's had untimely crashes and bad decisions that have cost him a ton of podiums and, and possibly race wins as well. The last note, uh, Joe Shimoda was back, right? We saw that just gigantic crash he had at Anaheim. And I don't think he's been riding Supercross very long, so I was unsure of how this would go. He was actually better than I thought he would be. So he was starting to find his groove, um, started to click off some laps there, and then almost got on the podium. Uh, so I think all in all, if you're looking at Joe's race, it was pretty decent in a really terrible series for him. And it gives him something to build off of, and that's, that's the important thing. There has just not been much in this series for him to point to and say, that's a positive step. We're going in the right direction. It's been all, it's been kind of a mess, you know, between crashes and bad riding. And think about how many times he's crashed in the whoops this year alone. I know it's been a while. We have to go back and think about those races again, but man, was it just a catastrophe of a season for Joe Shimoda. So this one seemed a little bit more calm, you know, consistent laps, a decent result, and he can move forward from here. So those of you who may not have ever listened to this podcast before, we do a power rankings. Uh, I have the top 10 who I feel are where they're at in the sport if they are racing, right? If you're not in the series right now, like Adam Cincerillo or Dylan Ferrandis or these guys, you're out. I just take you out. It gives it an opportunity for these other guys to get in. And it's also timely, right? It, like Dylan Ferrandis obviously couldn't race this weekend, so he didn't. So I'm not going to put him in the power rankings because he couldn't race. Uh, now, if there, there are some borderline guys, right, if you just, like a guy like Chase Sexton, I'm weaving him in because I fully expect him to be racing again at St. Louis, okay? He didn't race Seattle, but I think he could have, and he was there, and he was fast, and all those things, so there's a little bit of a gray area, but I like to bring in a few of the guys that maybe they deserve a shot. Like last week, I brought in Vince Freezy, who has been in and out of the 450 class, but I thought he deserved to be in. So without further ado, number 10 is Brandon Hartraft. And we've been joking around on the uh, Fly Racing Racer X Review podcast with myself and Jason Wygant and Steve Mathis that he's been invisible, man. We just haven't seen him. Like he hasn't gotten great starts to kind of make us talk about him. He hasn't had spectacular crashes that would also kind of bring him to the forefront. It's just been this week in, week out, good result but nothing flashy type season. And that's not a bad thing. He's racking up points along the way. He's going to have, you know, a, a great um, overall result. He's going to have a lower national number. Like there's a lot of positives. He's making money every weekend. It just hasn't been anything that's really been headline grabbing for Hartraft. He gets a top 10 this weekend. And I felt like it was time. I felt like he deserved to be in that 10th spot for this weekend. So good job for Hartraft, even though it hasn't been anything that's going to get him a factory ride, because it's not, make no mistake, it's not. I still think he's doing a good job and he deserves some credit here. So number nine, another guy I did not expect to be in the power rankings anytime soon was Justin Bogle, but I think it's fitting. 
you look at his last few races, he's been in that top 10. And in this class, you have to be opportunistic, okay? It's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows. Remember how rough it was at the beginning of the season for Bogle? It was damn near awful. And then he gets in, you know, he finally gets a good start at San Diego, gets cleaned out by Bogle, or um, excuse me, by Justin Barsha, and then he goes back after Barsha, and there was that whole entanglement, and we talked, you know, about that on all the shows for a while. But it's just been bad. It has not gone well. He loses his best friend uh, to a uh, street motorcycle accident earlier this year. And just on every front, it has been a very tough go for Justin Bogle. Lately, it's gotten a little better. So I'm happy to report that. I'm happy to see it, that things are finally starting to sort out in his direction. Um, go back to, uh, where was it, Detroit or Indy? No, it was Indy, where um, he gets cleaned out in practice by Justin Brayton's rear wheel, right? He was over, able to overcome that and get a decent result out of the night. But even in qualifying practice, he gets cleaned out by an errant motorcycle. Like, it's just been a really tough time for Bogle over, overall. And uh, I, was, I was happy to see him riding well. Um, he, he looked solid this weekend. And he was up front. Like, you know, that, that has not happened really for him. So to see him up front and to finish it, I thought he deserved to be in that number nine spot. Number eight, Dean Wilson. And Dean's kind of been steady Eddie all year. You know, it hasn't been flashy. It hasn't been the weekend work with speed, Dean Wilson, which is who that, that, you know, cliche, that's where it started was with Dean Wilson. He hasn't been that guy as of late. And I think he's been trying to find some longevity and some consistency. And he's probably really tired of getting hurt because hospitals are no fun. And it's really hard to get factory rides when you're hurt all the time. And it just being in and out of rehab all the time is no fun. Like it, it, I don't know how else to state it. It really sucks. And I'm sure Dean was just got to a point, And I think this is where Malcolm Stewart was as well. You just get to a point where like, I don't want to hurt myself anymore. I want to be out there. I love racing supercross, but if I don't find a way to stay somewhat healthy, this, this whole thing is going to come to an end. Like I'm going to have to figure out something else to do here because my body's not going to be able to take it. I'm not going to continue to keep getting a job. These companies aren't going to want to keep investing in me if I'm not out on the racetrack. So for Dean, he's kind of in the same spot that I've put Mookie in for the last couple of years before this one was where he's sorted out the consistency. Now he's got that dialed where he's found his, his kind of limit to where if he doesn't go past this line, he's not going to crash very often. He's going to be able to stay inside the top 10 and he's going to be able to make a really good living. And that's where Mookie was on Monster Star Yamaha, in my opinion. Now Dean's got to try to start picking up the pace. He's got to start putting himself closer to the top five and maintain that balance and consistency and stay off the ground. Okay. Now that's a really tough equation to kind of suss out and to put together, but that's the challenge. We've seen Mookie be able to do that. He's stepped up his game without a doubt, right? You see the move to Rockstar Husqvarna, you see the move to Alden Baker's program, and he has benefited from that. He is the best he's ever been. We need to see that same thing from Dean. I'm not saying I have the answers. I'm not saying that I know how to do it. I couldn't do it, right? I, was, I found my level and that's all I could really ever aspire to. But if you want to, you know, if Dean wants to like double his income, 
and he wants to jump up to the next tier of salary getting paid, that's what it's going to take. Now, I don't know if he if he is even stressing about that. I don't even know if that's something he, in the back of his mind that he's like, I got to get there. But I, I think it is. I don't, you know, I, uh, Steve Mathis spoke with him after the Seattle main event. And he wasn't happy. You know, that seventh place wasn't good enough. He was mad that Webb and Barsha and those guys rode away from him. So it seems like he's trying to take that next step. But staying consistent while also being able to take that next step is probably the hardest part. Because I think Dean could go faster. If you just said, man, you got to go faster. We need you to go like half a second a lap faster, a full second a lap faster. He could do it. But there comes a lot more risk with that stepping up. And that's what he needs to kind of find a way to mitigate is better, but don't give away everything you've gained. All this consistency that you found and you're, you're not crashing out of main events anymore, don't give that away. It's got to be both. It's got to be a little bit better, but take everything you've learned and apply that too. So we'll see if he can do that. You know, I've been talking recently in podcasts about being really opportunistic now that the field is thinned out, you know, these, all these guys are out of the series. You need to take advantage of that. And, and Dean did, he got seventh, but I think he's looking at more like I need to be top five. You know, when Webb's hurt and can barely get out there and, and race, take advantage of that. When Sexton's out, take advantage of that. And these are the weekends. This Seattle weekend was one and seventh is better. Seventh is a better result, but I think he knows that there's more in the tank. There's more to be gone, more to be gotten if he can take that next step up. Uh, Sexton I have at seven, and I mean, God, can we get this guy to stop crashing? Please, someone, because I really like watching him race. We need, an, we need to wrap him in bubble wrap, put an airbag on him, do something. The guy's body has to be just beaten to death at this point. An off weekend couldn't come at a better time, in my opinion, for Sexton. So, Again, I don't have a vested interest in him. You know, Fly Racing doesn't sponsor him. I truly just like watching the guy ride. I think he's really innovative. Um, he has just incredibly good style. But he's got to find a way to take these crashes out of the equation. You can't continue to crash like this. You look at the, uh, where was the crash? Detroit? No, where the hell were we? Minneapolis, where he just flipped with a lap to go, throws a win away. His crash with Webb wasn't really his fault back at Detroit, but then his crash this weekend, that's partially his fault, right? He hits neutral, but he's the only one in control of that. These crashes will catch up with you. You're not going to just continue to flip down straightaways and get up and like, yeah, my body's beat to hell, but I can keep going. That is going to come to a stop eventually. It's just how it works. You can crash and get up and you're fortunate and man, you lucky and kind of wipe the sweat off your brow, but eventually... You keep crashing that hard, you're not going to get up, and it's going to be a season ender. It's just how these things go. So I'm hoping that he can eliminate that out of his game before we get to that point. Uh, but it's it's just a numbers thing, right? You can't keep rolling the dice with crashes that many times before a serious injury occurs. Marvin, I have at six. He gets a podium. Good job from Marv. Uh, I considered moving him further up because he's been riding much better. Uh, but just over the course of the season, there's been too much weird riding from him and too many you know, head-scratching finishes and all those sorts of things. So I'm going to leave him at six. I think the guys ahead of him deserve to be ahead of him still. But make no mistake, that was a good ride. He, uh, he was trying to chase those guys down in front of him. Couldn't get there, but he was able to fight off Mookie at the same time. So 
Um, I don't have anything bad to say. I think, you know, if, if for him, if I'm speaking for him, I think podiums are the goal. You know, you look at how good Tomac's riding. Good luck beating him right now. You look at how great of a season Jason Anderson's had, and that's a really tough ask to beat. But if you are going to beat Mookie, you're going to beat Barsha, you know, Sexton had his own problems. I think a podium is a fair result, right? You're beating the defending champion in Cooper Webb, your own teammate, which is really important too. I think podiums are a very acceptable result for a guy like Marvin in the twilight of his, you know, Supercross career. He's not racing outdoors. And I think even for Red Bull KTM, they're happy with a third, okay? Do they want to win? Yes. They are a very winning centric team they want to win okay but i don't think that marvin was there going into the season i don't think they had all their hopes resting on marvin to win races i just don't personally believe that now is it great if he wins of course but webb was the guy webb is the one where they're like that's our champ that's the guy we need to win if marvin gets on the podium awesome that's that's kind of how i view it they maybe they think differently but that's kind of how i view it number five uh mookie and I don't know what to make of Mookie's ride. It was okay. Don't get me wrong. Fourth is still pretty good. But you tell me the last time you saw Mookie have to resort to jumping through the whoops. I don't think that was a good development. I think he was probably pissed off about it. Um, I heard that they had a big powwow after the race with all the technicians and suspension guy and everybody about the bike. Um, because I, I don't think that's anything that Mookie planned on happening. Okay. When, when a guy like Mookie bails on blitzing the whoops and has to start jumping like that, it's because he doesn't think he can continue on. He's either going to crash or he feels uncomfortable. Something's going on to force his hand to start jumping. And I would almost guarantee that's why they had that kind of all-hands-on-deck meeting is because Mookie's like, dude, the bike, I couldn't get it done. What are we going to do about it? Now, that's... That's my perception from the outside. I wasn't there. I didn't see it. I don't have any inside information. I'm not holding out on you. But that's typically when you see that type of meeting go on, it's because the rider wasn't happy. It held him back. He felt like he should have been on the podium, and the bike kept him from getting there. And that's something that they need to fix and work on for these last few rounds. Number four, Justin Barsha. I mean, what could have been, right? I mean, Justin, I give him credit for wanting to go with Tomac. He was sending it, right? He was absolutely riding on the pace Tomac was on, but you see where it got him. He just got a little offline to the right in that quad. You know, they were going four over the table, then three, three. He just got a little out of his rut. It shot him a little bit right, and it doesn't take much, man. These guys are so on the limit. Six inches one direction wrong or the other, and you're flipping down a straightaway, just like Barsha was. Now, he got very lucky that he kind of skipped across the top of that next jump. If he goes into that next jump full and comes to a full stop immediately, he's probably injured. You know, that, that immediate stop at high speed is what causes injuries and, and where you have serious problems. When you kind of bounce and you're able to let that momentum continue on without that hard stop, a lot of times you see guys get up just like Barsha did. So very fortunate there. Uh, pretty big crash that could have been a lot worse. Give him credit though, he got up and was still able to hold Cooper Webb off. Still got, what did he get? Fifth place? Uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, fifth place. So not bad. Um, I'm sure that's not what he went into the night hoping for. But at the same time, there have been worse things happen than, uh, than getting fifth. So um, 
when you're going to, you know, flip ass over tea kettle and still get up and be able to get a top five, I think you have to be, uh, have to be okay with that. Uh, overall for his series, it's been strong, right? I, I don't think he had really a lot of hype coming in. It was, how was Tomac going to do? Was Sexton going to take the next step? Could Cooper Webb defend the championship? You know, Anderson was stealing a lot of the limelight early on with all those wins. Barsha wasn't getting a lot of uh, credit, I don't think. Even with a podium at the first round, I don't think he was getting a lot of credit. But he has had staying power this year. He's fighting for second in this championship, and uh, he probably deserves more credit than he's been getting. Cooper Webb, I still have a three, and everybody's going to freak out, whatever. But I think if you look at what he's fighting through, you look at the adversity that he's overcoming through these injuries and crashes, it's just been one thing after another for him. He had to let his trainer go in Michael Byrne. He's back at Alden Baker's program. There's a lot more noise in his program right now than he's letting on. I think you're going to see more news coming out on Webb over the next month or two, right? I, I, there's just a lot happening. And I don't have all the details. I'm not trying to foreshadow something because I don't know all the details. I, I, would, I would try to give you everything I have, but I'm just hearing a lot. And it's not great. There's just a lot of unrest and uncertainty and a lot of things happening behind the scenes for Cooper Webb right now. And I just don't think it's, we're firing on all cylinders. We've got to go win the race. That's not what's happening. That, there's a lot more to it. Um, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of uncertainty about what's going to happen for Webb, you know, the rest of this year and going into next year. And then you couple that with the injuries he sustained, um, a couple weeks ago, or when was that? 10 days ago? No, sorry, two weeks ago. And then now he's dealing with this big crash at Seattle on top of it, where he flips onto the concrete. That couldn't have felt well. You saw, if you watched Race Day Live, you saw how much pain he was in sitting in the mechanics area after that crash. So it's just not the, the smoothest year I've ever seen for Webb. And I don't think it's all that great either for right now. So I give him credit for kind of overcoming all of that and mentally holding it together when I think it would be very easy to kind of let all of this snowball in the wrong direction. Number two, have Jason Anderson, and I think it's pretty obvious he should be here. Really solid night. Um, I mean, he didn't have anything for Tomac, but that's okay. I think Tomac's riding the best he's ever ridden. So for Anderson to not be able to beat him on a track where you knew Tomac was going to be great, it just lined up nicely for Tomac, the way it was ruddy and rough and deteriorating. Tomac was just on fire all day anyway. So I didn't think it was a perfect scenario for Anderson to kind of capitalize, but to stay second, to ride really solidly there. And I don't want to say he's keeping the pressure on because he's kind of not. He's 50 points out of the lead here. But staying on the podium is really all you can do. Take the wins when they come. I think there's going to be an opportunity here, you know, down the stretch. There will be chances to get wins. But if it's not there, if Tomac's just got everything going his way, then make damn sure that you're second or third and rack up podiums, rack up that bonus money and rack up those points. Because at the end of the year, if you're second in the championship, that's really strong. That's a really, really good result that Monster Energy Kawasaki will respect and will reward him for moving forward. Number one, I mean, is there any doubt? This is Eli Tomac, right? And he's firing on every cylinder. I don't know. Is it a V12? Like, how many cylinders does this guy have to have? How many is he firing on? Uh, because this is the best I've ever seen him. And honestly, it's the best I've ever seen Jason Anderson too. But Tomac is just on another level right now. 
you can tell how much he's clicking with the bike and the team and that change for as much uncertainty and how many people questioned it and he took less money, which it was a significant amount less money he took to go there. He looks like the smartest guy in the room. Everything is working. All the reasons he would have given last summer to make this change, they're all panning out. They're, it's going exactly to plan. So he's got to be thrilled. It's got to be a huge relief. I mean, he's going to be your 2022 Monster Energy Supercross champion. It'll be a second Supercross championship. It just looks like his life is exactly how he would want it right now. He looks the most comfortable in his own skin. He's smiling after the races. He just doesn't look like he's feeling any pressure whatsoever. Uh, so yeah, so it must be a great time to be uh, to be Eli Tomac. So congrats to him. He is absolutely killing it. Uh, so that's it for this week. I just wanted to make a quick one uh, before I he- get out of here and head over to uh, to Europe. I will do a podcast next week covering MXGP and MotoGP. So that'll be a little bit different. I did want to mention. I will be giving a set of Pirelli MX tires away. So get your questions in for that. Um, it can be about anything. It can be about Supercross. It can be about MXGP. It can be about my own career. I don't care. There's no parameters on what you're asking about. Just be respectful, obviously. Uh, but I will pick the winner during next week's show after MXGP uh, to give away a set of Pirelli tires. So thank you to them for being on board. Thank you to all the sponsors, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Works Connection, Fast Foundry, Pro Glow, Grand Stone Boots, and of course, Fly Racing as well. A little bit shorter this week, I know. I'm on a little bit of a time crunch, but um, yeah, the races keep on coming and so do the podcast. So thank you again, and we'll talk to you on Sunday.